I want to talk today about the um, very common problem that we have in our society, and I assume in many societies around the world, many countries, people are struggling and working with this problem. It has to do with being lonely. And to me, there's a, um, there's a plan out there by the one that wants to destroy us, by causing things to happen around us. And if we respond to those things the way he wants us to, then he can make us lonely. He can bring in a place where we are um, convinced we're all alone, convinced nobody really likes us that well, convinced nobody can, can bring me out of it. I'm just stuck in this place of loneliness. And so the Bible talks about it because it isn't new to the 2021st century. It was common probably all the way back to the beginning of time. And that to me was Adam and Eve somewhere around 6,000 years ago, you know, give or take a few hours, but I think it was somewhere like that. And so in this struggle that we as a people work at, I wanted today to look at what it's like, which most of you, if you have suffered loneliness, already know, but also to look at some of the causes and what we can do in order to get free from this whole loneliness thing and become normal, happy, loving others more than we love ourselves type human beings. And so this is what the psalmist says about it in the book of Psalms 68, verse 6. He says, God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. And so there's three parts there. Where God wants to set us, what he wants to bring us out of, but then the reason why we are in our state of loneliness. And so let's have a long, hard look at this. I want to, first of all, help us understand loneliness. What makes us happiest in life? And you see, there's a lot of thinking out there. Um, commercials were promoted, people selling products, selling um, philosophies, selling items that are supposed to cheer you up in the way of drugs and stuff. They, would, they, they say that they point to happiness as being something fabulous, as a person of fame, or if you can amass a fortune, if you're attractive physically, if you're gifted in some unique area of life, in arts, for example, or music, or whatever. Having the latest clothes, perhaps, or the flashiest car, the nicest home, or the all the adult toys that so many of us get involved in. We're, we're in a place where we're so convinced, if I just had, if I just had that, if I just had this or that, 
I would be a very happy person and people would be because I'm so successful, I'm so attractive and I have lots of money and I have position, they would spend time with me if I was just successful. So we strive to become successful and that's what you know, our university training, college training, even high school training, all this stuff is geared towards making us successful because we have been told very clearly in many different ways that that's where your joy will be, your happiness, and those things are the opposite to loneliness because loneliness is not a happy place to be. And so we have this false information that has been given to us over the years that has betrayed many people. Now, I've said this before, but we've, we've been in ministry since 1973. My wife and I and a number of people that work with us, and now some of my families there with us as well. And you see, we've listened to people over the years. They, when, when you're in ministry, people want to come and sit with you hoping that you can solve the problems. And loneliness is one of the ones that we've dealt with. Not the main one, but certainly one of the major ones that people struggle with a lot. And there's many things that cause that stuff. We'll get to that in a moment. Research, now this is important. Research has shown that loneliness is prevalent throughout society it includes people in marriages, in relationships, in families, and veterans, those with successful careers, I might add, those with high education, those with lots of money. It says you will be successful if you attain to this. But all that is constantly being proven as wrong. Constantly. I enjoyed a comment by Hope Arnold Schwarzenegger doesn't mind me quoting him here. I believe it was in the Reader's Digest. He said, I'm living proof that money doesn't make happiness. He says, I, have, I am worth about $53 million and I'm no happier now than I was when I only had $47 million. Now, I don't think his thinking, his philosophy is very, is very accurate, but we're trying to say to you that it isn't those things that bring happiness. And I want to certainly at the end of this try to help you swing around so we can see something different in our lives happening. Loneliness has been described as a social pain. It's not necessarily physical, of course, it's social, but it affects us physically and it's very uncomfortable. I, I have never experienced extreme lengths of time, but I have known what it is for a short period of times to be lonely. One of them that I remember clearly, I was traveling for a company before we began ministering. And in a large city of over two million people. I had to stay for a few days because of business meetings in a hotel. I was up on one of the high floors and at night time when the meetings are all over, you've had your dinner and you go back to your room and, and television has never been 
a big thing for me. I, I do watch once in a while, but it's, I just can't get locked into television. And so I'm standing at the window of this big hotel. It was a huge window, went from floor to ceiling, the, the, base, the floor, and I'm looking out over the city, all the lights, all the traffic moving, of two and a half million people, and I experienced loneliness. It was there, it was, it was as clear within me. How can I be so lonely in a city of two and a half million people? But I was. And you see, that spells out for many of you listening to this and watching that there's a loneliness in spite of the circumstances. There can be loneliness. Loneliness may be a symptom or another social or psychological problem such as clinical depression. I understand that, but we're not getting into depression at this time. I want to focus on loneliness. Now, sometimes depression could come from living in a state of loneliness, but that's up to your psychiatrist to tell you about that, I guess. You can have people around you throughout the day or even in, in a lifelong marriage. You can have all these people there, but you still can experience deep, per, pervasive loneliness. I have talked to people who are in a crowd of people. They would say, I can be in a crowd of people, everybody milling around me, but I feel lonely. And we have to look and see what in the world is causing that. Isolation can have a serious effect on one's mental and physical health. Many of you have experienced that. Many of you, your doctor, maybe because of something physically that was wrong, has come to the conclusion with you that it's because of the loneliness that you're experiencing. Now, in the scripture we read to you, it says that we live in a sun-scorched land in verse 6 of 68 Psalms. We live in a sun-scorched land. Do you identify with that if you're living in loneliness? Is there something within you that says, yes, that's me? Even though everything around me is busy, you may even have a good job, a decent family, maybe even a good family, but there's something about the workings inside of you that says you're alone. So let's look at why the doors are open to loneliness. There, I think that one of the reasons is if we have an inward focus, a demand for attention, and when we don't get it, we go into the rejection spiral that says, I'm rejected, and we start seeing everybody is rejecting us regardless of who, because of that rejection. That rejection generally has a root back there, and we've experienced people that get set free from that rejection have come out of their loneliness, and some of them, I've seen them come out of depression because they dealt with the rejection. 
that says nobody likes you, nobody wants to be with you, nobody cares about you, You're, you'd be better off dead, then that's why we start thinking about suicide stuff. Give everybody a break, just commit suicide. Get out of this life, you see, and that's, that's terrible. But we've experienced, I heard people saying that so often. I, my friends would be farther ahead without me if I have any. My parents would be farther ahead without me. And that's a lie, a total lie, because the people that you're talking about probably love you very much and want to see you set free. A lack of friendship, relationship, during childhood and adolescence. So often this starts a way back. Rejection starts a way back. Rejection in the womb. We have literally seen people released from rejection because a mother didn't want or a father didn't want and maybe they talked about abortion, maybe they tried abortion, maybe a mother, a grandmother, or somebody said, you can't afford another child. And that child hears that. That child can hear. It may not understand now, but later on, when it does understand the English language or whatever language you speak, it, it brings back to its memory that it wasn't wanted. And out of that can come this isolation in, the, in later life and a loneliness that results from all that rejection. Sometimes we focus on what we deserve instead of how we should be giving. We should be our serving people. I need to explain this. See, when God created us, he created us because he wanted a family. God is a family person. He loves family. He wanted a family. But he said, because man has sinned, that's, that keeps you out of my family. But when Jesus died on the cross, he took the punishment for your sin that kept you out. So therefore, if we repent of our sin and ask the Lord to forgive us, he wants to forgive us. He wants us to go into water baptism, to die to the old person that we were, and come up out of that water a new person. As 1 Peter 1 says, we have been born again with his seed, not the seed of my earthly father, but the seed of my heavenly father. I'm still in the same body that my earthly father is responsible for, but the heart inside of me is a new creature in Christ Jesus. I have the seed of the Father in me. It's in 1 Peter. Just read it, chapter 1. And so it's important that you realize God wanted us to be family with him. Now, family has to do with our verse. What does he say? He sets the lonely in families. Now, there are people in families that are isolated and feel lonely, but it's because of, of conflict in the family. And the cry of my heart is that you could resolve those conflicts, get a, get a Christian counselor, someone that knows how to help you, 
someone that's not interested in putting you on medication or, or counseling from a, a secular standpoint, as many Christian counselors do. But find a Christian counselor who counsels from the Word of God. Use this teaching, if you want, to get a start on it. But there needs to be an understanding. God has a way out of your isolation, out of your loneliness, and you need to take some steps to do it, to see it happen. We need to be people that are givers, and that's why I say this. Instead of wanting what we deserve, we are saying, no, no, I want to give to others. I want to give to God my first love. As a father, I want him to be my first, my devotion, everything. I want to serve others. I don't want to be concerned about me. I want to serve others. That's where the bulk of our, of our populations they're seeking after self, seeking attention, seeking all the things that would make them popular, therefore get them friends and family. But you see, God says, no, no, we must give. He said, give, and it'll be given back to you. And he even uses the description of a farmer, how he, he takes a sack of grain, and when he's filling that sack of grain to go to the mill, perhaps he takes it once in a while and he shakes it. And then he pushes it down, pack it all in. Then he pours some more and he shakes it down. And when he's got the very last, right at the very top, when the bag will hardly come together, he wraps the twine around, you see. That's what God wants to give back. Give some and he'll give you back more. If we give friendship, he'll give back more friendship. If we give serving others, he'll give back more serving. If we prefer others above ourselves, others will start to prefer me above themselves. If we give, he will give back. And so he's trying to say to us, when I die to myself, what I want and what I'm crying out for, when I die to that, and start to live for what God planned for me, that's when the Lord will start giving back because I'm giving to the Father my love, my devotion, my, all the honor goes to Him, my worship goes to Him, my praise goes to Him. And then with the people, I serve them, I prefer them, I want to honor them above myself. God says, when you do that, you're part of my family and you'll be complete he said, in the presence of the Lord, which obedience puts us in, in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. What does joy bring? It, de it dispels isolation, depression, and brings us into a place of being in that family. That's, I'm belaboring that because that's one of our, our most common problems in our society today is a me-first attitude. The world is rotating around me. Therefore, you need to cater to me. You need to honor me and serve me because I'm more important than you are. The world has believed a lie when it believes that. <clears throat> what else opens the door? When we allow our feelings to tell us that no one loves us, generally due to verbal, physical, sexual abuse or whatever. It, it says in our minds, I'm, reje I'm a rejectable person. The sexual abuse is for somebody else's pleasure and it costs me. The verbal, the physical journey comes out of people that are not controlling their, their authority 
And so they do things or say things that hurt and abuse us. And you say, we need to say, hold it just a minute. Hold it. What that person said to me there a couple of hours ago, I need to realize it isn't consistent with what God says about me. And I make a choice now to believe what God says about me instead of believing what somebody out in the world says about me. And I choose to believe what God says about me and how God treats me with his love and his patience instead of assuming I'm rejectable because of what somebody did to me physically, um, sexually, or whatever. That's what. It starts with forgiving those people, blessing them, because God said to bless your enemies, asking God to give you love for them, and as you do that, you're healing. As you continually bless them and love on them, the Lord will start to restore that healing process in you. But you see, those things tell me, if I don't deal with them, they keep saying, you're a rejectable person. And that is a breeding ground for all the isolation, the, the loneliness, even depressions that we suffer. It makes us mostly crippled in our work, in our relationships, regardless whether they're working at a business, a factory, in an office, a hospital, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's hindering us from doing a good job there. I was in the business world for 10 years, and. I was in a position of management, so I hired people. It was a large international firm that I worked for, so we had wonderful guidelines, wonderful things to go by. <clears throat> but I learned something just listening to people, tell, ask them to give a bit of history or whatever, just getting them to open up a bit, and you begin to see those little marks of rejection in there, here and there. Um, those things say, I really... I really can't make it. I really, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not suitable for this job because I failed on They're not saying that, but you can hear it in things that are coming out. You need to deal with that stuff, folks, and I'm going to tell you how to. Another reason why we can have loneliness is because the physical presence of people that mean something to us are gone. Even though I'm around people, that is gone. You can be in a crowd of people and feel isolated and lonely. It is very common, a coincidence of a breakup or a divorce. I have sat and listened so often to the pain that comes out of a divorce and a breakup or the pain that comes out of unfaithfulness. And you see, if that pain isn't taken to the Lord and dealt with, it can lead to this isolation, this loneliness. The loss of any important long-term relationship. One might feel lonely even while in the company of others, but that is happening where, you know, maybe a couple work together and really become friends. Nothing sexual about it, I'm not implying nothing can be, but it shouldn't be, but all of a sudden something breaks. I remember a lady so hurt by, by a girlfriend of hers who forsook her. Oh, why did the girlfriend leave her? Well, a guy got interested in her. She eventually married him, and when she married him, she forgot about her friend. 
wasn't right, but sometimes it happens. It generally stems from losing a specific person more than any. You can also, if you move from one town to another, into an unfamiliar community, which can lead to homesickness, which is loneliness, or especially moving from, a, say, a high population area to a low population area, and there's very few people to interact with, you start thinking of what you had before. That's true if you move from a certain church to another church. You had friends in the first church, but now you're lonely. And a lot of people have decided not to bother going to church because they can't find the relationship in the second church they had in the first church. But listen, one of the keys to loneliness is sitting at home all by yourself, watching TV and eating potato chips. Loneliness can occur with even with an unstable marriage. You're in a marriage, but you're still lonely. You're sitting with your husband or your wife watching television, but you're still lonely. That's possible. Because there's a, a, a break in your communication. There's tension there somewhere. There's something that's not resolved. And you see, those things can break up a, break up a marriage, but if the marriage isn't broken, it can still lead to loneliness and unhappiness. <clears throat> now, when we withdraw from social circus caused by the above circuit situations, <clears throat> when we withdraw, we're just adding to it, you see. Because loneliness typically produces anxious feelings, and that's very common. Lonely people are nervous, they're anxious, and they're also sometimes angry, because somebody else is responsible for where I am, I want to prove to you before I'm done that that's not necessarily right. But you see, we can always blame someone else from where we are until we take full responsibility. When one person feels lonely, this feeling can spread to others, increasing everybody's risks, a feeling of loneliness. Now, a wise person in that group will withdraw from that group, take away their friendship, and leaving the problem worse as far as you're concerned, because you're losing people. You don't like hanging around people that are grumblers and complainers, always finding fault, always complaining about where. Who likes to hang around with them? I've said that to people. Do you talk like this to your friends? Some of them, well, yeah, I hope they can help me. Your friends can't help you. They, don't, can't, they can't hear it, just stop it. Start being positive, start ministering, giving them something to encourage, giving them something to boost them up in the name of Jesus. How do we solve the loneliness property? I want to stop and do a second part on this because I want to spend some valuable time just explaining to you how we work through this, how we take authority over the things that are bombarding our minds, which produces feelings. How do we deal with that stuff? So I'm going to deal with this in the second part of this teaching on loneliness. So God bless you, Father. Help us as we've listened to this, as we hear, as you point out to us, Lord God, the roots, but also the solution that the Father has. Thank you, my Lord. Amen. Amen.